Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sawala. Salim, how you doing today, man? Ed, I'm great. I am uh, doing pretty well. It's cold. It's really cold in my apartment. Um, I was telling you before we started recording that for some reason they don't let us. I don't know if it's like a thing where it's not December yet, or I can't remember if it's like a law or something that they don't have to let you control the heat until it's like December mm-hmm. um, or something like that. But like my thermostat stuck at 60 <laughs> and it's freaking cold as hell in chicago right now <laughs> you got you got chicago you got chicago bear weather in your apartment right now <laughs> yeah for real man i'm, I'm like you know i'm i'm, uh, I'm gonna be fumbling the ball all, oh, all podcast. <laughs> no, but um but yeah it's cold in here but I, i'm i'm doing okay uh bulls are not doing okay yeah there's uh, a lot going on uh Maybe more than just bad basketball. Yeah. Maybe there's something more going on. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that because obviously that post game uh, with Philly and Zach and all these various other things. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to digest there. Yeah. It seems like every time we take like a little bit of time off, like we took a week off and something goes down. So. Uh, a, a Friday night game against the Orlando Magic turned into something a little bit more significant uh, than we possibly expected. Uh, the Bulls are losers of four straight now, and it's, it's been a rough week. Uh, losses to, uh, well, going back to um, last week, losses to the Pelicans, Nuggets, Pelicans again, and then Orlando with Jalen Suggs hitting an incredible shot at the end to, to win it. So... Uh, we're we're going to get into a lot of the uh, the drama that happened before and after the game. We're also going to talk <clears throat> about what direction really the team is going to be headed in towards the season. I think we talked about it in one of our last shows about what this team is likely to be. And it seems like they are a team that is capable of beating anyone, but is also really capable of losing to anyone. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk Zach Levine and we're going to look ahead to what looks like a really tough schedule on deck for the next couple of weeks. And uh, hopefully we get into some uh, draft stuff as well. But uh, helping us talk about all of this stuff going on in Bulls world uh, these last couple of weeks, one of our favorites, he works extremely hard. He's always on the grind. Uh, You know him from no ceilings. They cover the NBA draft like no other. Our good friend, one of our favorites on Bulls Gold, Corey Talaba. Corey, thank you for joining us again, man. Fellas, what's uh what's popping? Um, 
Celine, it's also very cold in New York right now, so yeah. I feel you on on that. Um, <laughs> so, but I'm uh, I'm happy to be here, hoping this uh, conversation about our our struggling bulls warms up the uh, soul a little bit, and we could talk through some of the issues going on. But you know, you guys know as always, this is uh, one of my favorite spots to be on and and talk hoops. So I uh, appreciate you guys for having me as always. Hey man, uh, always, we man. appreciate you and we admire your. Uh your growth and watching you become even more, you know, in, in that space of the draft, uh, mm. draft world, you've, you've grown a lot there. So, and it's, like I said, you know, uh, from where you started, it was not that long ago and it's been, uh, with Hardwood Herald and where you're at now, man, it's just, it's so awesome to see. I appreciate yeah. that guys. Yeah. Love seeing the growth. Y'all are killing it at no ceilings, and yeah, we, we always love getting some uh, some draft tidbits from you as well. So we're we're gonna get into that a little bit later, but yeah, let's start with let's start with these last couple of losses for the Bulls. As we said, they're they're losers of four straight, but this Orlando loss has been what's lingering the last a <laughs> couple of days, and a one hundred eight one hundred seven loss to Orlando without uh, Paolo Bencaro. And uh, it, it, there's so many different storylines going on in this game. Uh, when we talk about, of course, the the Vooch Wendell Carter trade that has you know long been criticized and discussed for since it happened. Then you get into the team has come out like so flat in the first quarter in so many different games, and Billy Donovan calling out the players and saying that. They, they really need to tick it up. Like they need to lead. They need to be the veterans. Then, you know, um, Javante Green was benched in this game and then got off the bench and came in and almost single handedly him and DeMar DeRozan were responsible for the Bulls getting back into this game and almost winning this. And then the comments afterwards with, uh, Billy Donovan and Zach Levine, Zach Levine getting benched in the fourth quarter after going like one for 14 in this game, four points, just, not looking like the Zach Levine that we're used to. So, Corey, what do you make of everything that's happened that happened in this game and over the last week or so with this team? Like, is this is this a sign of something that's going to get worse, or what do you think of it? I mean, I honestly don't think it's all that shocking. Mm. I, I mean, we saw what happened at the end of last season when Lonzo went down and we started dealing with injuries. Uh, I, I think that right now this is an incomplete team that's in a weird position because theoretically we've seen when everything is clicking and healthy, the team looks really good and plays like a modern blend of basketball. The, mm-hmm. the problem is, is we're kind of banged up. There's a lot of weird things going on. Like even Zach right now, you could tell like he's not, he, he went to the free throw line twice you know he had one trip to the free throw line so the one for 14 it's not like he was even doing other things to try to get himself going he was just kind of continually chucking shots so we have no Lonzo we have a banged up Zach who looks pretty quick in a straight line but he can't really explode he has no lift when he gets to the hoop you could tell he's I think kind of overthinking a lot of things and we're just really relying on DeMar because I, I think he's been the only consistent offensive shot creator that can get to a spot and kind of always make something happen. Mm. Um, the roster's a weird build. You know, like you look at our bench outside of Andre Drummond, like we have nobody over 6'6 in a league where 
every team keeps getting bigger. I mean, the Magic are starting bull bull at like shooting guard <laughs> right now, you know? So I think there's just a really, like I see where the vision of the Bulls is like wants to be. It's just not clicking, not happening. I, I don't think there should be a panic necessarily right now. Um, but I also don't know what's going on with Lonzo's knee. You know, that's obviously up in the air, a mystery. We don't know how healthy Zach is. And Pat, unfortunately, hasn't making that that leap that we wanted. So I like the moves. Like, I, Drogic's been excellent. You know, like, I, I can't fault AK for going out and getting Drogic. I think Drummond's been pretty good. I don't even know necessarily how many things Billy could do differently with the current roster. I know it's easy when there's frustrations to just be like, oh, he's not making a ton of adjustments. And there are certain things I'd like to see here and there too. But just because like we're not seeing it doesn't mean it's the answer. So I, I think that there's still a lot of question marks like just based on this roster construction. And I get the patience that, that AK showed and not going out and making drastic changes and I don't know. I I think there's a lot of questions, but it's all to be expected. Honestly, I think we're going to beat some teams we're not supposed to, and we're going to lose to some teams on some nights. Like when your second best player is one for fourteen, you're going to lose most of those games. The Magic they have a lot of talented guys who are highly touted prospects, even without Paulo. And um, you know the the one thing with the Bulls is they don't have a lot of two way guys. It's it's one way. Either you're really, really good at defense or you're really, really good at offense. And there's not that versatility that you need in this modern NBA game. So, again, I think a lot of it comes down to the roster construction. Lonzo fixes a lot of it. He doesn't fix all of it. And there's certainly moves that need to be made, but it's still very early in the season. Um so I, I'm not ready to panic, but if the Bulls continue to go in a tailspin because their next few games coming up are very, very tough. The rest of the month is really tough. I'm not going to be surprised. I'm also not going to be surprised if Zach and Billy have a great conversation and Zach has a bounce back game and they come out and, you know, they, they play Boston tough and, and get a win. It's, I think the Bulls are going to be an up and down inconsistent team until their roster is fully healthy. And we don't even know if that's going to happen this year. Well, let me ask you something about, like, it's, it's kind of a two part question and, a, and it's related to the Zach, um, and Billy's situation, Zach obviously being benched towards in the end. So for me, I, I had no problem with Billy taking Zach out, uh, especially because the team was making a comeback. They, they'd ended up taking the lead. Um, I had no problem with that, but I thought that in the situation when you're coming down to free throws, you want to have your best free throw shooters on the floor. And it was very odd that Billy did not make that substitution at that point. And, Obviously, getting Zach out there, you can't, you can't even talk about how getting Kobe out there. Kobe is a career, like, 85% free throw shooter. Um, you know, you have those options to get that out there. And instead, you have uh, AC out there, who's, I think, with, like, a 75% career free throw shooter. Um, and obviously, Vooch is shooting the ball free throws well this year. But, like, ideally, you don't want him being the guy necessarily at the free throw line over Zach or DeMar. And obviously with DeMar being the only real threat um, in that moment, the Magic did everything possible to make sure DeMar didn't get the inbound, right? 
Uh, and having, like I said, having Zach on the floor at least would have maybe increased the odds that one of those two get it if, as opposed to just them having to force it to like AC who then had to force it to Vooch. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that aspect? So like Zach getting benched um, and then <coughs> um, the whole free throw situation. And I do have a follow-up in that realm as well. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a good point that you want to situationally put your best free throw shooters out there. Uh, I think that sometimes, though, as a coach, you're like, these guys are the reason we clawed back. We had they came back. Maybe you just trust that they're going to execute a play. I mean, look, there's way worse guys in the NBA than Vooch that the ball ends up in his hands to hit free throws. Vooch is shooting nearly 90% this year, and he's like almost an 80% free throw shooter for his career. So it's not like out of the guys on the floor, he's the last option that you want. He's a a pretty good shooter. Um, With Zach, I mean, Zach's just not a good NBA player right now. Just straight up, like out, like this is his what his worst season so far, probably since that first year when he was coming off surgery. Right. Uh, you know, like so. I, I think with Zach, he's got a lot to work out. I, I, I understand though that he's a knockdown free throw shooter. So last possession, just the threat of it, totally something that you know makes sense to have him out there. Kobe, I'm a little bit less inclined to be like he needs to be on the floor. I, I don't know what to make of Kobe. I mean, when you play four minutes in a game to expect somebody to come in and potentially ice the game with free throws, it's really tough. Even if he is a very good free throw shooter, Uh, the Zach one, I get, I I just think it's, it's way more of an isolated incident because we wouldn't even be having the discussion if Fooch, you know, knocks down even one of the free throws, right? Like it turns into a completely different topic uh, if the game goes into overtime or the bulls just win because, because Fooch iced it. So the, the bigger worry to me is just Zach looks bad. He looks right. like a bad player who settles for tough jumpers and step backs and doesn't get to the hoop because he can't explode or finish through contact. And um, I, I don't want to look at this one micro problem at the end of the game and, and not focus on what I think is the larger issue is that the bulls just don't have a consistent second guy right now. Um, and that, guy is going to eat up a lot of the minute on a night-to-night basis and he doesn't do anything other than score you know he had two rebounds and doesn't uh two assists rather and he doesn't really play defense all that um you know at, at the level where he's gonna make an impact and just be like all right my shot's not going i need to shut somebody down i think that's a way bigger issue right now when zach is the efficient shot maker he's been over the last few years he I think that's an overblown issue and you can worry about that and, and band-aid it with other guys. But when he's the guy he's been throughout the year, that's a macro issue that I think is something that we really need to figure out. And it might just be him getting comfortable with his knee and it works itself out over the course of the year or the knee is really, really banged up in which case, you know, we just signed him to a long extension and we got bigger problems uh, to worry about. So I, again, I, yeah, the free throw issue, it stinks. It's a game the Bulls should have come away with, but they didn't. And I think instead of focusing on the little stuff, it's probably the bigger stuff that worries me. So in that same sense, so Zach was obviously very annoyed after the game uh, of being benched. Um, and I want to get your perspective as a coach too, because obviously you handle a lot of players 
uh, obviously not at an NBA level by any means, but you do handle, you know, coaching to a degree is still uh, handling personalities. Um, and Lero, shout out to Lero. Uh, he, he, he said something that was interesting that made me really think a little bit about the whole benching situation where he mentioned that, you know, Zach is having one of his toughest games um, of his career, probably the worst, yeah, I, I think probably the worst game of his career. Um, and, it would have probably been a good move by Billy to kind of have his back to to try and not lose him to like say hey look you're normally uh, one of our best you're our actually arguably our best player or are our best player um, and in this moment instead of just you know kind of benching you and at your lowest moment I'm gonna have your back and I'm gonna have you out there when I need you in the crunch time and crunch time and try to see if we can you know to get 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 you out of this and help our team win and also kind of, you know, just not embarrass you in a sense, if you, if you will. Um, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, cause that, that to me, I kind of was like, you know, that's, that's a good point as well, because, you know, and, and especially in the NBA, you don't want to lose your star player. Um, and obviously when you hear what Zach said post game, that's teetering on that line of, Hey, is he going to, is, is he going to lose, like, is, is Zach going to lose, uh, Billy going to lose Zach here? Like, you know, that's, and obviously it's going to depend on what conversation that they have. But, yeah, I just would love to hear your thoughts on that, at uh, that top thought process as well. I, I definitely think there's something to that. Shout out, Laro. Uh, it's our guy. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it's a good point. But, again, I don't know if it doesn't necessarily mean it's, the right answer like there could be multiple right answers there could be no right answer I don't necessarily feel what Billy did was wrong um and I don't think right now like I think Zach also has to have some self-reflection and be like I'm just not playing well right now and it's frustrating and when you have been playing that well it's okay to get frustrated because he hasn't dealt with this in a really long time probably since he was a young player it's not something he's used to uh, I, I think if there's one thing that Billy um, has had about his reputation is that he is a great communicator and he, he will talk to his star players. And, and maybe in the moment, it's hard to have that lengthy conversation. Uh, but we also don't know. We're not behind the scenes. We don't know if, you know, Billy's been like, hey, like shots not falling. You got to make sure you're contributing in other areas. We don't know what's been said between them already. Um, I think if Zach takes this as an and kind of starts fading away from looking uh, at what Billy's saying or, or this moment, I I think that's a indictment on Zach as a leader and, and a face of the franchise of his team. And it's kind of taking the easy way out and not being accountable. That's what the best players are going to do. They're going to hold themselves accountable. They can't, you know, just point their fingers and say, this is Billy's fault. Like Zach is dealing with some stuff. I get wanting your coach to have your back, but like, you know, you also have to be a good teammate and be like, I have faith that I didn't have it going. It's one game. My guys, my guys did. I trust them. So I, it could be a larger issue, but I don't necessarily even know if it's a larger issue of, well, Zach is mad at Billy. He's going to lose the team or he's going to lose Zach. Like it, to me, it's also like, man, Zach's not necessarily showing the stuff you want out of the face of your franchise, because let's be honest, Zach's, at his best so far through his career is what, like a mm-hmm. a, a borderline third-team All-NBA guy? Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's right. not like he's LeBron or KD and, and this happened. We don't know if Zach is even necessarily the second best guy on a championship team. So I, I think that there's got to be some push pull both ways. We, I don't think it's fair for Billy to absorb a lot, all of the blame here. Certainly some 100%, of it. Yeah. 100%. And that, yeah. that was in their response. Because Larry was adamant on saying, you know, players are at fault too. And I, yeah. I think I, I agree with that. The players are at fault. The player is at fault too. Um, it just sometimes when you have a a consistent issue, not with this, certainly with the Zach situation, because obviously that's this is a brand new territory with Zach, where he the way he's playing, um, and it's obviously understandable considering what he's come off of from off season surgery. But when we talk even about how the slow starts are happening, and that's been from game one of last season to a to a point, like right, that's something that we've always had these weird slow starts, um, and. Yeah, so that that all that uh, that all is part of it, and it's and then you wonder it's like at, at like there's a coach for a reason. I mean, you know what what's like we and like to your point, you said we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Uh, we don't know what conversations are being had, what Billy's doing when trying to you know prep them for a game plan. Um, but that that I just also think about in my mind is like, man, you know, I get like yes, the players. Uh, in the end, they have to perform, but it's also like, man, well, there has to be there has to be a, a, a collective issue here, not just it's only one person's fault or one side's fault uh, when you have a lot of these situations that are happening. Mm, yeah, like this this Billy Donovan and Zach Levine situation. It's I, I think he made the right move, but it's at what cost? And you, you you do it and you almost win this game and, you know, Jalen Suggs bails Orlando out. But I, I think I think back to what Zach Levine has been through in Chicago and he's already been through something similar with this with a coach that we will not name. But <laughs> I, I think that's kind of what triggers some of it. Like, OK, here we go again. Like he, he's getting singled out for stuff and it, it's. It's like he had a bad game. Okay, yeah. So if he has another bad game like this, is he going to get pulled? And given what you've invested into him, I, I don't know if that's the rope that you. I don't know if that's the game you want to play. Like I, I like I think Corey's right that he's not LeBron. He's not KD. Like he's not immune from you know getting. He's not immune from certain treatment, but it, it's also. It's just a tricky thing because, like, you've invested so much into him and he has played at a level that you know he's capable of doing. It's just he's just going through this with his like knee or whatever right now. So I, I, I don't know, like, if there's a really like great solution to all of this. But, like, I, I agree with Salim that it, it can't just be on one guy. Like, it, it's got to be with some of its parts. And I think the one thing that I think back to is when they made this trade for Vooch and they, they brought in DeRozan and they bring in all of these guys who've come from teams who <laughs> have like done something significant like Caruso and uh, you know, you bring in a, a good guy like Lonzo Ball. Like we were talking about adults in the room, but right now the adults are not being adults here. 
like, I, I don't know if they're drunk or whatever, but like the adults aren't being <laughs> adults. <laughs> so that, that was the appeal of it that you could put these guys in a lineup and say, all right, I don't have to worry about the lack of effort. I don't have to worry about guys who are trying to still figure out what their game is or like they don't know their assignment. Like they're going to come in. They're professionals. They're going to play like professionals. They're going to move like professionals. And we don't really have that right now. So it's if that's not happening on top of the fact that on offense. Well, not even just offense, but overall, like we don't really know what this team is really good at. And they haven't really shown something that they're really good at. Like, I, I think I, I was listening to uh, the NBA pod by Morton Jensen and Brian Support. Shout out to them. And I think they made a really great point that when you look at the advanced numbers so far, the Bulls are, of course, not doing well from three. They're not finishing well at the rim. They're not really a great defensive team. Um, the bench is okay-ish. But, and then their best three players are kind of like one-way guys. So it's just like, the best thing you're doing right now is kind of like the mid-range game. And that's largely because of DeMar DeRozan. So it's just like you're the way they're trying to win and what they've been doing poorly is just it, it's just not a good recipe to doing anything in the NBA. So I, I don't I don't know. There's, there's so many different factors here, but it's just I don't know. And I feel like that's the roster construct. This is largely a, mm. a problem so far with what AK has put together. Honestly, and and I obviously like Lonzo band-aided a little bit of it. I, I still think we needed more three-point shooting. But if you go down the line of NBA teams, the Bulls just don't really have that. And it's not that I like I know that um the front office sees the vision because if you look at how they've been drafting over the last couple of years with Io, uh, with Pat, with Dalen Terry, even Justin Lewis, who they signed this year, like as an undrafted free agent, like they see that you need these big, versatile, wingy players, but we don't really have that. And you mentioned the three-point shooting. Like it's gonna be hard for us to win when we just don't have guys that put up threes at high volume. Like Zach's the only like really high volume three-point shooter that plays a ton of minutes for us. You know, like we don't have anybody off the bench who's just like three-point specialist, I guess, except for Kobe, but Kobe's not really a, a consistent shooting threat. He's a heat check guy, you know? And and so I, I mm. think there's so much of this roster construction that's just, it's almost there, but it's not quite there. And it's hard. I mean, if, if you were the coach, wouldn't you like be like, Hey, I, we have to kind of rely on DeMar. He's mm. going to be the one thing we can count in night in and, and night out. Like I would, you know, I, I, I know it might not be the most beautiful or innovative brand of basketball, but when it comes just down to winning games, it feels like that's your best bet to be competitive on a night in night out basis with the roster that we have right now. You know, we didn't, you know, if somebody else stepped up and, and gave us other options, that would be preferable, but we don't really have that. There's not mm. like, this versatility that we have um, in all of our basketball players. So I just think it's tough to, to kind of deal with right now with a banged up team that we have and the guys that are actually playing on the floor. I mean, there's only so many games that Javante green can hustle his way into bringing us back or making an impact. Like that's a guy that we could clamor for a lot more minutes, but we don't know how much that impact would be mitigated by playing extended minutes against like starters, for instance, like Mm. it's worth trying maybe, 
there's, you know, something maybe I would like to see is more like Patrick Williams at the five. Um, see if that can give us kind of a different look with more space. And, uh, but I, I don't know. I just think the roster construction is just not what the modern NBA is kind of looking for right now. And yeah. We need more of that. And I don't know, you know, maybe once guys are really able to be traded more like December 15th and all the, the new contracts and stuff, but uh, maybe there'll be like an early move and we won't necessarily wait till the deadline, uh, you know, in February, because at that point it might be too late. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot would change if the Bulls did get maybe like a Jay Crowder or somebody like that to kind of come in and impact the game a little bit more from a more modern perspective. But yeah. I, I don't I see a roster issue, honestly. Yeah, I, I think that the, the power forward spot is really crucial. Like we were talking about this the last show, but like as much as we still are not out on Patrick Williams and like you said, Javante Green, there's only so many games where he can come in and do like what he did, even though I'm still kind of, you know, I, I think it's still really surprising that he was just an absolute like DMP for most of a game against Orlando. He's been awesome this year. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. That, that's yeah. a surprise because he, he is a big part of this, this energy that the Bulls even have left. Like, so it, it was really surprising, but like I, I do keep coming back to that power forward position where it, it would be nice to have someone who can make those open shots and can add some sort of defensive value. I know that's not easy to get in the NBA, but like I, I no. think that is th- that's what we were clamoring for last trade deadline, and when we were talking about would we want to give up Patrick Williams. And, you know, whatever else to make that happen for a guy like Harrison Barnes or uh, or Grant, who's tearing it up in Portland right now, making a big difference for them. So I I think some fans are looking at what he's doing in Portland and saying, man, if we had made that move for him, like (laughs) like last year or whatever, like, man, what what could have happened? So I I think that's one of the, the big things right now. And then just on top of it, like you just don't have that that effort overall from your your three best players. Like, DeMar is still DeMar, and I think that was one of the things we were talking about in the offseason is that if DeMar even regresses, the Bulls are in trouble. But DeMar is still the same player. He is. <laughs> like he's, yeah. it, there's been no regression overall. Like, I mean, maybe you can talk about, like, what those end-of-game situations look like in terms of, like, that last shot, but... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not more age. luck. That's yeah. just more luck, Barry. Is, yeah. And that's not... Luck, being less lucky is, I mean, you've, you've, uh, declined. Yeah, yeah exactly. But he's still the Luck same player. The and, ball bounces. Yeah, he's still the same right. player. So we, like, I, like that was the thing that we were looking at. Like, if DeMar even regresses, man, we're, we're in trouble, but we're kind of right now wasting another DeMar year. So it's, and, and that's what makes it tough. The Bulls are in a weird position just because if DeMar was 29, you could be like, hey, let's just be patient. Right. Right. Let's wait for Lonzo to get back. Let's wait for Zach's knee. You know, we have some young guys. Vooch is what he is, even if he's the same guy. Like, you know, centers are are replaceable in the NBA now. Hmm. But we are at the point where DeMar, it's like, at a certain point, he is going to start to decline a little bit. And then it's like, what direction do you head in as a franchise? Because you don't really want to, if you want to, like, stay competitive, you can't really waste the DeMar that you have because I think he's one of the best wings in the league still. I still trust him as as much as anybody. Mm -hmm. But, 
he also probably still has some value. So it's a, you know, it's hard to kind of choose a direction for, for the team, given where we are, just because the, the, the two timelines from a lot of the guys don't mesh as nicely as you kind of want them to. Let's go deeper into that. Like, because we, we see some like discussion amongst fans on the timeline about is this season done already? Which I mean, it's November, but I, I don't think the Bulls are buried already. But no. you know, it, you know, it's fans, so people are gonna think otherwise. But they're they're six and ten right now, and the East is more competitive this year, I think, than last season. And we have this brutal stretch coming up, so things theoretically could get a lot worse. But the problem is, is that when people are talking about, okay, maybe we should look at a rebuild. Maybe we should look at, you know, blowing it up, playing towards, you know, a few years from now is that pick that's owed to Orlando and is only top four protected. So you're in a situation where if you do decide to rebuild this year and you're saying, yeah, you know, we're going to get a stud in the draft. We're going to get a top four pick, whatever, whatever you could just as easily fall outside of that top four. And then you tanked for nothing. So um, it, it's just a really complicated thing. And then even if you keep pursuing this year, it's like, all right, well, maybe your your likely result is you're in the playing game or you're a first round fodder for Boston or Milwaukee or someone like that. So it, it's just I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like there's really an outcome that is likely to be great. What do you what do you think about it? Yeah, the the only <laughs> thing t- I don't know. You're, I mean, you nailed it. It's a weird <laughs> spot to be in. The Bulls, surprise, surprise, currently are uh, in the seventh worst uh, spot yeah. in in the league. So uh, I'm I'm happy that trend still lives <laughs> lives on. Uh, right, like you know, obviously the only good scenario to the Bulls, like being kind of where they are, if the season stayed where they were, is if they we're in the spot and jumped up into the lottery again in a draft. That's really awesome. Even outside of the top two guys, but outside of that, yeah, it's tough. Cause it's like, we owe the pick to Orlando. I think we owe um, that pick to San Antonio for DeMar at some point. Hmm. Uh, so it's hard to say like, blow it up. I guess the, the move is if, if that was a direction, you just go, Hey, these are sunk costs. If we get lucky in the lottery, we get lucky. That would be great. Uh, if not, you give the pick up to Orlando. It's not going to end up being Scooter Victor, so it can't be this like, oh my god, I can't believe the Bulls traded for Vucevic <laughs> and it ended up with, you know, Victor yeah. Wembanyama somehow. So I get you could avoid that. And if you moved off guys at like Demar, still going to bring assets. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know what in this made up scenario you do with Zach, Zach's going to eventually bring in a ton of assets. If he was moved, like the bulls would be able to rebuild with a ton of pieces to where I'm not even worried about the the outgoing stuff that we have to give up. And I think if that was the direction that you, you move the best franchise is kind of just go like, Hey, these are already sunk costs. There's nothing we can do. We have to do what's best for our franchise and try to get the most value wherever it is. But I don't necessarily think the bulls are ready to move in that direction because I think mm. that the East is more competitive, but a week ago, probably what is, was it a week ago? We were six and six and like you had national yeah. media going, mm. Hey, I think the bulls might be actually pretty good. It's kind of impressive that they've been 500 and they have some good wins. So 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think this team could very easily win a couple of games in a row. The vibes are much better. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, the Bulls might be a, a play a playoff team again this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have one of those seasons where you get to 44, 45 wins. And it's just like, hey, 82 game season, long season. Sometimes the coaches experiment and it leads to weird losses and sometimes the players don't have it. Sometimes they do. It's the, just the vigors of a a regular NBA season. And so I, what the bulls should do, I don't know right now, but uh, there's just, they're the weirdest team to follow as like a diehard right now for me. Cause I'm just like, it seems like everything makes sense. You there, you can formulate an argument for, for everything to be on the table for them. Cause I feel like they're not that far away. Like just think if, if the bulls had Jeremy Grant had made that move, the bulls are probably one of the better teams in the East right yeah. now, even with everything, you know, everybody's struggling and then you go, Oh, watch out, wait till they get back. Right. So there's always that one piece that like could be traded for that's undervalued. Like Jeremy Grant was basically given away. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? He so, was. So it, like, it, in retrospect, like even wouldn't even have to include Pat if you think about like what they gave up. Like it's it's too bad that Portland pick isn't looking like a better asset right now than it was last you know, <laughs> over the summer, yeah. um, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, to your point, and that is an asset. Like, if like look, it is it is hundred percent. That's what I and I I'm all about trying to find a way to trade that maybe with Kobe or something to, to address, you know, to get a good rotational piece. Um, and I, you, know, you talk about, you know, it's how early it is. I kind of think back last year and obviously this is not an apples to apples comparison because they are, it's a, they're different rosters, but like you look at the Celtics this time last year, um, they had a lot of the same situation. Like they were like, man, why are they this this Celtics team is supposed to be a lot better than this? Like everything's just looking bad. They look like they might not even make the playoffs and yeah. All of a sudden something mm-hmm. clicks and all of a sudden they just go on this great um run and obviously you end up in the uh finish the season in the finals. And not to say that's what the Bulls can do, but the talent is here and we've talked about Zach, obviously. You know, you can talk about doing an upgrade at the four or whatever, but again, going back to the Zach Levine conversation, if he goes back to playing like an all-star, borderline all-NBA caliber player, a lot changes. Yeah, this no doubt. Every like Almost everything changes to a point because, you know, he's that big-time shot maker. He's that, you know, three-point shooter, and um, – you know, he's all as far as his passing concerned, like, yeah, he's not really like a playmaker per se, but like we've seen development in that part of his game too. Um, especially when he's scoring the ball the way he is, he has been able to set guys up um for for easy looks and uh the way he's kind of, you know, sometimes he does he finds those ha- cross court passes, like the skip passes and things that he does. It's like, oh man, that's a that's a nice development that Zach is showing, and especially like even the playing in the pick and roll and things like that. So, like I said, Zach, he is he is the wild card in the end. Mm-hmm. Like that type of player changes everything. When if he can get back and if he takes his game personally, like he did in a sense, and not so personally that like hope that it's not to a point where he's like him and Billy aren't on the same page anymore. 
because we, we don't want that because that that's a disastrous situation where we go down a line where you know things can be really bad in that locker room but if it gets to a point where it's like you know zach's like obviously in the moment post game he was pissed off and he has every right to be and i don't have a problem with the comments he made i don't because in the end like he's a star player and that's the attitude he should have like yeah i should have fucking been out there you know that's the attitude that he should have and i, yeah, I wouldn't agreed. want him to have mm-hmm. that a passive attitude uh, and I, I saw some people not to get a different tangent i saw some people criticizing for the quotes he made it's like what are you doing no yeah that's what he should say like i don't want zach to be like yeah i should have been out there i sucked like no I'm glad he had a little chip he's on a his max, shoulder. You know, he's so. a max guy. He's, yeah. he's an, a two-time all-star. He's one of the, you know, best. He's been one of the best young players. He should have that attitude. It's, you know, yeah, as long as yeah. it, he yeah, doesn't exactly. let it linger. NBA right? players work like, hard, man. Exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and in the moment, and I'm hoping, like, yeah, he can come back against Boston next and like be like, you know what? This is it. And just from there on, you, they take off. That's what you're kind of hoping to see happens. Um, and obviously, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Mm. They 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 just have to figure out this whole this the, these slow starts though like they, mm-hmm. they they really have to figure that out i don't know if that's a lineup change as much as yeah. a mentality change yeah or, do you guys what? think uh do you guys think so like i know the whole conversation is starting Javante or pat and I, I said from the beginning, like, I thought I did think Patrick come off the bench simply because it gives them more opportunities to have on ball uh, when he's kind of mixing away from DeMar and Zach. Um, and obviously, he's <laughs> developing, too, and learning how to play with them as far as being an off-ball uh, threat as well. But maybe even with Io, like, maybe you start Caruso and Javante, who bring a little more defense like I was obviously a good defender, but obviously AC is a step above. Um, and they're both more vocal. I think like AC is more vocal out there. He's he's more of a, a speaker on defense and and what have you. And obviously Javante is just kind of like a a guy who's drank like five monsters and he's always <laughs> running up and down that court and bring that energy. Um, so like maybe that's a maybe that's a switch you make um obviously like to billy's point to an extent yeah the stars have to play better but like maybe that's something billy can do to kind of switch it up and and then if it allows io and pat to go against more second units which could be more beneficial to them as well like i said gives pat some opportunity uh on ball and just changes up the look a little bit and overall mm-hmm. Yeah, I like what do you think about that? It what's tough is like obviously Pat started out in like preseason and very early and it was like, oh, oh no. Like, oh no. But I think he's been pretty good lately. You know, he No, I agree. I agree. He hasn't he hasn't made the that leap to where it was like, all right, third year in the league, he's got all this talent, he's taken fourth overall. Is he gonna be like this guy who we look at as he could be an all star someday? I, I think I probably shut the the window on that a little bit. I've, clo- I've closed that door, but I think he's been pretty good lately. He's a good defender. I think he's picked his spots fairly well. You'd like to see him be more aggressive, so maybe moving him to the bench would uh, help with that. Just giving him those on ball reps, but at the same time, I you know I I don't want 
a demotion, quote unquote, to hurt his confidence because I think he has been slowly playing better. Io, I uh, think, Io, I think, it, he, if he's coming off the bench or he's starting, he's got the same mentality yeah. always, regardless. So I could see maybe having Caruso in a little bit. Like I could see experimenting with that um, as well. But you know, it one of the things I almost feel like I, I we did have that guy at the four that you could rely on to be like a two-way guy to give you consistent stuff. Cause I'm, I know I'm crazy and you know, you probably can't do it for the full year. I feel like when Drogic's in the game, the offense clicks in a way that yeah. it just mm. never does. Uh, I mean the, the way he finds everybody in their spots and keeps the ball moving and is a real threat to like knock down shots. Obviously you wish you had like a, a, version of Dragic that was a couple of years younger and that probably wouldn't oh. even be a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but we would be we would, we would be so much better. <laughs> you know, and uh he obviously he doesn't bring that same defensive that yeah. same defensive energy, but like if there's a way to maybe make the offense click a little bit better, like I've even thought like how do we how do we get Goran as a starter and still kind of be able to get stopped, but I feel I I just the offense just looks so smooth when when he's on the floor, and that's even something I've thought in my head, like to maybe experiment yeah. with, because the, the guy's won a lot of different places. He knows, you know, NBA personnel sets, how to pick apart different guys. He might not be able to play 30, 35 minutes as a starter, but even if maybe that could be a way to get off to a little bit quicker starts. Yeah, I think I think we all need to. Other thing we need to do is continuous prayer of the wizards downfall so they can trade us Kyle Kuzma. Because <laughs> oh, Lord, that'd be great. about a four a four that fits seamlessly as far as you know being able to get his own because he's he's improved as an on ball guy as well and he can space the floor, he rebounds, defense, yeah. everything. Like Kyle Kuzma is probably one of the more underrated players in the league right now. He's like really good, and like man, he would be so perfect. Yeah, be so unfortunately, perfect. like Washington's playing and pretty has, well. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's you gotta pray for their <laughs> downfall, and gotta pray that Bradley Beal wants out so that they actually want to blow it up. Because they have so much <laughs> overlap at that position too. And he's on a great con- he's yeah on a do. great contract too. Like he's not oh, yeah. making he, much. He's gonna he's gonna get like. Like I, I don't think he'll get the max, but he'll probably get like a twenty twenty five million dollar. Oh yeah, he's gonna get easily over a hundred million. Easily. Right now, yeah, yeah. Right now he's making like ten, like mid level money, and that's absurd for him. Like if you think about it, it's like man, this guy's a really good player, and he's making mid level money. That's insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think uh, it's. But it... yeah, I just. No, yeah, like I, I was just gonna say, like it, it's just crazy how like. Players like uh, Kuzma and, you know, Grant and I know Barnes was off to a slow start this year, too. But like just like these were the players we were talking about last year. Like, man, if we could get one of those guys down the stretch, man, we'd be on to something. And that was when we were like a top three record in the East. So it's just. Yeah. I mean, Harrison Barnes might be a, still, though, a good guy to target as we get closer and closer. Like, I feel like last year they would. We're less inclined to move him, and yeah, but this year it's like Murray. You got Keegan Murray, like you know. Uh, I guess it, you know, if they keep winning, do they want to rock the boat, or just they haven't been to the playoffs in so long, so maybe they won't be inclined to do that. But 
he's yeah. the you know that again that is the exact kind of guy who would help this team and honestly maybe the answer is Lonzo comes back in whenever he comes back and he turns into that guy I mean there were times last year defensively like we were playing him against Julius Randle so it's not like he can't guard up right mm-hmm. maybe he's that that kind of acquisition that we're looking for hopefully it's not just him because his health right now is obviously up in the air and can't really be trusted so you'd like to have something more stable but yeah. You can't really stress how important that role is in the NBA right now. Where like we're just like, oh, if we just had one of those guys um that were already established and not looking for their identity, what it would do for this team. Mm. Yeah. I- yeah, it's it's tough. Like out of the Harrison Barnes thing is tough because his, his contract is tough to trade for. Mm. He makes eighteen million. Uh last season it was easier because you had that DJJ's nine million, yeah. and then you could add like whatever other smaller like or other deals. Like I mean, obviously we talked about Pat last season, but I don't know if you would need Pat this season to get Harrison Barnes. Um, I don't know. But anyways, yeah, that yeah. that contract is tougher. So what do you do? You do you think that a trade is even? I mean, I know we're a ways away from like contracts being eligible to trade and all of that but like is a trade more likely than fixing that foundation in the house first or is it just like man we just need to get a move going to to fix to right this shit like maybe that's the spark that gets everything going i don't know like as salim touched on like the bulls contracts are kind of weird like as far as like making things work for guys that make sense i do think like i don't we just have to move kobe like yeah, just, I mean, for sure. It's just like Kobe. It's like I, I'm not out on Kobe as far as what he could like be a contributor to a good team. Um, right. It's it's for him. It just comes down to opportunity and fit. Like he a he doesn't have the opportunity just because the glove in the backcourt, and then B I think fit wise he needs to be surrounded by better wing defenders. So you kind of can mask his defensive um, flaws. Like, I mean, he's got a little better defensively. Like, you see his transition defense. Like, he's made an impact there. But he still struggles in the half court, um, especially because he's getting around uh, screens. He gets still hung up on screens a lot, even though there are times he does better. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just about opportunity to fit. And if you get him in the right situation and let him just be his game, he can he can flourish, but yeah, I agree with you. Not, I didn't mean to cut you off. I agree with you about. I think they have to find a place for Kobe and try to see if they can get somebody like. I don't know if Jay Crowder for Kobe makes sense. I like. I don't know if the Suns would be interested in that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like they do need a little bit of guard depth right now. Phoenix and Kobe, you know, Chris Paul's his mentor. Um, he could play probably the one or two in those scenarios. Cause he could play off Booker. I, yeah, I think there could be something, something there. And, and I think that Kobe could be valuable. I mean, we've seen campaign go and contribute in the NBA, you know, yeah. the, he, a lot of these NBA players are good. And if you get put in the right scenario, almost regardless of who you are, like you could probably find a role somewhere. Right. Um, I mean, Luke Cornett's playing minutes for the <laughs> Celtics, you know, like it's a bit team context for guys who aren't special matters so much. And and right now, like you said, Kobe's it's, it's just not the right context for him. And I don't think the bulls have handled him wrong over the last couple of years. Cause I just, you know, he's not better than Zach. He's not better than DeMar. He's not 
better than Lonzo and healthy. So, and he's not, he doesn't have the versatility defensively where you could just fit him wherever, but I do think he has that role. I think if the bulls could move, cause I, I think a team will look at Kobe and be like, he could be a contributor. He could be a guy who wins us a playoff game. He can get hot and go for 35 in a playoff game, you know, like easily. So there's, there's definitely a trade out there. And, uh, you know, he's probably got one of the bigger tradable contracts that we have. So I don't think it it's that we should sit on that and wait to the deadline if there's a move to be made before that. If do, that's yeah. a direction we, we choose. Do we have a... It's almost like com- yeah, it's almost like combining DJJ's contract and Kobe's and then the Portland pick. And then can you get... Can that combine to get you a solid, like, rotational player that could be in your like top seven top eight yeah that's that's what the bulls need to look for i I wanted to ask Corey this and we've talked about it a few times but do the bulls have a development problem with young players like do they you know we're talking about kobe white we're talking about patrick williams (laughs) and you know of course this season you know wendell carter jr's been playing great Markinen looks I, I'm laughing every time I watch Lowry Markinen highlights because I'm like, fam, what in the <laughs> hell is going on? Is this man hitting fadeaway threes in like the fourth quarter? Like it's just <laughs> it's just amusing as hell to me. But like Markinen looks like an all-star. Bobby Portis went and won a championship and looked good. Campaign, as we talked about, looks solid. Like it, it seems like all of these players that Gar Foreman <laughs> traded for and, and and drafted, he's somewhere like on a beach, just like, see, I, I tried to tell you, but it's it's just really interesting. I, I know there's so much that goes into development because opportunity plays a part. Um, you know, when you leave places, you you experience different things, you have different mindsets, you meet different coaches who have a better way of potentially putting you in position to succeed. But it, it kind of sucks that a lot of these things don't seem to happen in Chicago much. So, like, Court, <laughs> what do you think? Do we do the Bulls have a development problem or is it just kind of like just one of those things where, hey, these players just need to get out of Chicago? Like they, they just need to they need to change the scenery. I think we had a Jim Boylan problem. OK. And Laurie looked very promising his rookie year, like we were like, this, this dude is the future, right? Like mm. he came in and he, he balled out. Um, Wendell, I, I think his problem was he couldn't consistently stay healthy. Mm. You know, like he, he was what he was. And I think he's on the normal trajectory that he would have been on. I think it was hard for him to find confidence being in and out of the lineup. Uh, the bulls, I think there's, there's more pressure to win in Chicago than there is, in Orlando, especially when you're one of the homegrown guys. So when you're in and out of the lineup, you can't find consistency. You're, you have Jim Boylan, you know, at, at the helm, it's a recipe for disaster. I think Jim Boylan also kind of had a bad effect on Wendell because I remember Wendell being so hesitant to shoot like a, yeah, a, a mid range jump shot when he was wide open because, uh, Boylan had it in his mind that you should only shoot threes. So <laughs> I think that was uh, you can, as you as can well. tell, like I'm, I'm usually pretty, like I try to be level-headed and not be like, everything is the coach's fault kind of guy. No, 100%, you know, Cause I think 100%. fans are too quick on that, but 
just about everything was Boylan's fault. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I don't give him the benefit of the doubt. He was one of the worst NBA coaches that's probably ever stood on the sidelines in every facet. And I, I think they did have a legitimate problem there. Um, Kobe, I mean, you know, that was not the strongest draft. The Bulls drafted a guy who has kind of turned out, I think, exactly like expectations um, put given the scenarios he's in. In the right context, like we said, he could probably thrive, but I don't think that's a development thing. I think that's just like, this is who Kobe is, and you, he has to be in the right situation to thrive. Look at Laurie. It's not like this was a, he got out of Chicago and all of a sudden he hit, right? Mm. He was not great in Cleveland. Like, he was fine, right? He was a, he was an NBA rotational player, but he wasn't somebody that re- the Bulls were like, man, I can't believe we gave away Laurie Markkinen last year. So what, is he just in a much better scenario right now in the right system? We were yeah. happy as hell when, <laughs> when they traded him. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and Pat, like, you know what, you know how I felt about Pat I, since he was drafted. Pat is who he is. Mm-hmm. You can't make somebody be a dog. This is what he was in college, too. You know, like, I, I think Pat, you know, maybe in another scenario on a team that isn't good and he's given – 15 shots a night because he has to take like somebody's got to take him. Maybe he looks, you know, better um, reputationally because he's just taking more shots, but sometimes like, he's not a guy who's going to go take those shots from somebody else, even when he should, because he's just not built like that. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong. I don't think the bulls have handled him wrong. I I think they've encouraged him to be more aggressive you know, I think mm-hmm. they're they're probably begging him to be at times, and and he's got to want that all the time. But that's not his makeup; it's not his personality. So, I I think developmentally they're trying to make him a two way wing who could you know be efficient and knock down open shots, get down transition, and play switchable defense. I, I don't think that they're missing anything on him. And Io is developing fine, right? Like I think I think, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think right uh, I. We'll see with Dale and Terry, but again, you know, it's a guy who was like the 18th pick in the draft. I'm very, I'm high on him still, and um, I think they're doing right by him by giving him opportunities in the G League right now. But I think ultimately, over the last few recent years with like our rebuild, Jim Boylan was a big part of it, and we can look and be like, Wendell's popping off, Laurie's popping off, but a lot of it's circumstance. And and look, look at Wendell's contract. You know, he's making an average of $12.5 million a year. He's an absolute bargain. He's on a great contra- uh, contract. But he, he and his agent took that deal. And I think that kind of gives you some perspective on how the league viewed Wendell kind of before, you know, now he'd, he'd obviously make more on that open market. But I he wasn't a let me take a risk and bet on myself kind of guy, hmm. right? Like nobody knew. Like that, that deal – was like, wow, can't believe how cheap he signed for his agent. If he was doing his due diligence would have known if other teams were like, Hey, like we're going to, we'll easily give him 20 something million. That's his value. Wasn't that high. And um, because people had question marks. Right. And Wendell is, is also had like throughout his career, even dating back to Duke, there's been a lot of like, I'm not in the right situation like woe is me kind of stuff that comes out with leaks dating back to duke where he's not a good fit with marvin bagley and he's not a so like you know i think a lot of people had question marks good for him like we all rooted for him we all saw what he could become and he's becoming it but he's also not going to be an Mm all-star this year 
you know, like he's a very good, solid player that makes a lot of sense in the modern NBA. Um, but we saw those flashes in Chicago too. Mm-hmm. And now he's just older, more experienced and he's healthy and he probably got a kick in the ass. Like, Oh, I got traded because I wasn't doing yeah. what I was supposed to do as the, as the seventh pick, Yeah, that, you know, and, and that matters. Yeah. That's a, that's an under, like we, we've talked to Mark Schindler before and you know, he, he mentioned how Wendell Carter Jr. Said that he needed to get out of Orlando or not Orlando. He needed to get out of Chicago to become the player he, he is in Orlando. And like you said, sometimes getting traded gives you that extra boost. Like it gives you some motivation. Like maybe you just really want to badly prove to someone that you are a lot better than what you've shown. And every time he's played the Bulls since then, he's averaging what, like 22 and 10 against the Bulls in yeah. games since he's been traded. So it, it's, like he, he's dialed in like we didn't I, I'm not going to say he was unmotivated in Chicago, but I, I would say that we th- we never saw that like that visibly Dog. like <laughs> unquestioned motivation I, when he stepped on the court, like to that degree consistently, you know, I don't know. I feel like we saw it when he first like his rookie year, because I mm-hmm. remember him like when Westbrook was attacking the paint and him just going straight up and blocking Westbrook and then him looking like this guy tried to dunk on me, like mm. that look on his face, like he had that confidence in him. I, I think his, like I said, you know, his confidence got beat down by, obviously you mentioned injuries, but like it is boiling. He's the worst. <laughs> yes. I think his confidence, <laughs> yeah, like his confidence was completely torn apart and like offensively, like those struggles were there, but I thought I saw there were some improvements offensively. Like his his jump shot did look better. It just it was just not a like he just kind of hesitated too much. And then defensively, he was kind of asked to cover for a lot. Um, and he he was still really good defensively. Like like there was never a point with under Chicago when he was playing for Chicago where defensively he was like, oh man, this is not working. Like that side of the ball was consistent for him. Um, he was he was. He showed what he's doing right now in Orlando on the on the defensive end. He was doing in Chicago, for sure. I, like, and especially when you consider ha- having to cover for like Zach, Kobe, Larry at the time was Larry's been better now. Uh, and to to Larry's credit, uh, he he improved last season in Cleveland defensively too. But like he was covering for a lot of bad defensive spots and guys not making their rotations, and he. He was doing well here, uh, Wendell, that is on the defensive end. Yeah. Wendell was good in Chicago. I, I, I don't, you know. Yeah, he was, I agree. He was no, yeah, good. He, he was. He showed, yeah, he he showed was. all the flashes that he's showing yeah. now that he put together. That comes with experience and age and learning. Like, if yeah. there's no, like, if he was a young player in Orlando, he might be going through the same growing pains. It's not necessarily, I mean, obviously, he, the injuries boiling, but it's not like he would just, like, was guaranteed to come out of the gate and be awesome right away. Like sometimes players need to develop and you see the flashes and you have to be patient. And that's why like you shouldn't give up Mm -hmm. on players um, developing. Maybe you should like fans need to cap their expectations. So they're a little Mm -hmm. more realistic because not every player you draft is going to be an all-star that the chances of that happening are actually, you know, very small. Um, But like you see Wendell, like if he was still here, he would have still been very solid. You would have just hoped his bill of health would have, you know, 
stayed a little cleaner, but he's got, he's getting more shots, more minutes and he's older and he's stronger. And, you know, I, I think he's on the same path. He just, as you know, Ed alluded to, I think he's a little meaner as a player, yeah. He's yeah, a little yeah, he, bit more uh, confident in himself. I think he yeah. has found the confidence back. Like, like I said, like when he first came to the league, he was pretty confident. Like, yeah, high draft yeah. pick. Uh, like, went to Duke. Yeah. You know, like you have that. And then I think sometimes with young players, you get to the league, and it's especially when you're uh, getting drafted high and you go to a bad team. It's the first time you're not on a good team in like your life and you're dealing with losing and you're dealing with other guys that are not only on your level, but maybe better than you. And that's hard for a lot of players. And then maybe you get to a point where things click and you're like, Oh wait, I was a high draft pick. I am good. Let me go out and prove it again. Like sometimes it's just what happens with guys when, you know, you're not, the number one guy on your team like you were from the time you picked up a basketball all the way through college and now you're adjusting to new stuff like this is all part of what makes the nba and the developmental process so hard to nail down because context is is so key in all of these different players and you know for wendell i think there was probably a struggle not dealing you know being on a team that was inconsistent in and out of the lineups having a, a weird coaching situation and you know trying to grow and expand the game but having being in a a media location like chicago where you're under a microscope in those scenarios and at that point i think it's it had been a while since the bulls had won so there was extra pressure on that group because you know the, the bulls had had such a long sustained period of success prior to that so it was just like this awful recipe that all boiled over in the Boylan era altogether for all of these guys. But I, I'm not shocked that any of these guys are good. They were all high draft picks that flashed the fact that they were good in Chicago. Yeah. They just couldn't put it together. Um, They didn't have a great group of vets. They were young. It's just, they had a bad coach. It's, it was a bad scenario, but I don't think it it's Chicago's fault that they didn't develop into the players in years three that they are now in year six or you know like there's mm. there's extra growth in those years as well yeah we we've uh we shouted out a lot of people on this on this uh episode but uh wanted to add to it uh chris Abinson of switch theory now he has a great thread on twitter about wendell carter and what he looked like in chicago and like i think you two are both spot on because you're echoing a lot of the things he was saying in terms of Wendell did a lot of things that did not show up on the box score or like did not like it, it wouldn't be extremely emphatic to the casual fan who wants to see like dunks and threes and like big time plays. Like I, I think there was a reason he was compared to Al Horford because Horford had that rep of doing very small yet meaningful things on the court. And that's what right. Wendell is doing now. But now Wendell, like, used a better word than I did. Like, he has that meaner aspect to his game that I, I didn't think he, like, consistently showed in Chicago. Like, he he's more motivated. He seems more dialed in. And now you're starting to see, like, those plays a little bit more often where, like, he's going to the rim and he's dunking or he's getting the ball. He's just shooting that three, like, instantly. Like, he's not second-guessing himself. Like, it, it's a more instinctive, focused game. And it, it's great to see. Like, I, I think we 
it, we had so many players in Chicago at the same time trying to figure out their game. And then we had coaches and a front office who didn't seem to really want to put them in a great position to figure out their game and to play to their strengths. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, one of uh, when I look back on my Bulls fandom, that era, that, <laughs> that last era there is going to be one I, I don't want to remember fondly because, you know, we did have some talented guys. But at the same time, I mean, like, look, as much as as many positives as I said about Wendell, it's not like I'm like constantly losing sleep and like staring at the picture, like, you know, the picture frame, like Wolverine and with Wendell in it and going, Oh my God, I can't believe we moved off Wendell. Like Wendell's a good player that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he's having success. And I think he's going to probably play in a lot of big games. Eventually at some point in his career, he's going to find his way onto a team and make an impact and have like playoff moments. Like Mm. I fully could see that, but at the same time, I'm not like he's, here's this generational talent that the bulls moved off of, you know, like I think it was, Best is in everybody's best interest to part ways. Yeah, honestly. I think in I think in hindsight, it still comes down to those draft picks where you probably should have had better protection on them, um, or even just if you were gonna put a only top four protection, you should have just it should have just been one pick instead of two. Hmm. Um, I think that probably is more so what makes the Vooch trade look worse. It's not necessarily like, like again, Wendell is really good. Like Wendell is good, but again, the, the draft picks is what kind of limited the bulls. And like you said, because other moves that they could have potentially made with those picks. So if you have like, like, let's say if you have 20, the 2023 pick that opens up trade scenarios for them that, you know, that aren't there. Uh, currently. So hmm. I think that's probably what more so than just looking at Wendell and and looking at and looking at that rehashing the Vooch trade and overall. Yeah. I well, me, me it's first. also the fact that the magic nailed their pick. Yeah, that's yeah. The, the the Franz Franz has been a fantastic he's been a lot better now. than I thought he would be. Because if better. the Magic had taken James Booknight instead of Franz then nobody would care and, as much. <laughs> and, and and that's like a scenario that was very realistic at the time. You know, Book Knight was a guy who was being talked about going as high as six to the Thunder. And the Magic end up with Book Knight, right? Like, let's say the Raptors didn't draft Scotty Barnes. So, and they drafted Suggs like everybody thought. So the Magic take Scotty Barnes with that fifth pick, their own pick, and then they get a guard with later on with their other pick. It's a different conversation, and now it's like, yeah, you know, the Bulls moved a couple of picks for them, and it wouldn't be nearly as as hurtful to a fan base, but the Magic nailed their pick, a pick that is way better than even the most adamant Franz backers could have ever imagined yeah, yeah. Yeah, know, absolutely. Him, him turning into. Yeah. So, and, and then, I, you know, I also try to have some perspective that without the Vooch trade, the Bulls aren't bringing in DeMar more than likely. Like DeMar's probably, you know, Vooch was a big part of of his recruitment um, from everything that we've heard, right? Uh, I don't know if Wendell being there, like DeMar is like, I need to play with Zach Levine and Wendell Carter and, and Lonzo. And uh, yeah, you look at the value of what those picks just a few years later, like 
the Rudy Gobert trade, how many picks were traded for him. And it's like, I don't know, that's probably a pretty fair value for Vooch at the time, who was an all-star and, you know, did a lot and brought those magic teams to the playoffs. So I, it's easy to look back in hindsight and say it's this awful, awful trade. But I do think that the, the Bulls are getting the value that they paid mm-hmm. for those picks. It's just now that the Bulls are injured, they're not seeing the same effectiveness. Whereas last year, that front office looked genius. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I, the first through whatever four months of the season. Yeah. I, I still give, I, I know it hasn't panned out as we all thought it would, would when we were really excited about it, but I still give the front office props for taking a chance because these are the type of deals that I don't think the prior front office regime would have made. And, 100%. and I, the fans were clamoring for it. Yeah. These are, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. These are the type of deals that people wanted to see. Of course, it's different when it doesn't work. You know, people want to make deals and they want all of them to work. But like, I, I like process over result a lot of times, too. So when yes. if you're you're taking those chances and you're saying, hey, Zach Levine's really good. Let's build around Zach Levine. Let's get Vooch. Let's get DeMar DeRozan. Let's get Lonzo Ball. I'm all for it. They had a good plan. We saw the vision last year. And it was looking good this season. Not so much, but I appreciate the effort and I appreciate that they weren't willing to just sit there and say, hey, there's nothing we can do. We're just going to keep our draft pick and we're going to take somebody. And like you said, there's no guarantee that if the Bulls keep their pick and they don't make a boot trade that they have Franz Wagner right now and that Wendell Carter Jr. is breaking out like he did. Like, it's just it, 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 there's so many different um things that could have happened to it. So, um, you know, I, I still appreciate the effort. Um, as we, as we wrap up, Corey, I, I wanted to get some, uh, some final thoughts from you on, uh, just some like early draft observations that you've had so far as this college season has kicked off. So uh, I know it's kind of a general question, but, uh, we, we, you mentioned briefly like Victor and Scoot, but what are some of your like, observations outside of that as this season has begun that are that have been really interesting to you uh so i i think that this is a really strong top 10 this year Hmm. in this draft obviously two got one generational guy and one you know potentially all nba guy beyond that in scoot but the the three to ten i think is going to be really really strong and could be a draft that we look back on and go wow all-time talent type of stuff. Um, some of the bigger guys are we haven't seen a whole lot of. Uh, Cam Whitmore, who's going to Villanova, who's like kind of like a modern NBA wing, maybe a little Andre Iguodala-ish. He hasn't played yet for Villanova. Uh, Nick Smith at Arkansas hasn't played yet. He's been a guy. I think he's the fourth-ranked player on the, the the draft rankings at No Ceilings, um, which is a conglomeration of all the 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 boards from the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and Derek Whitehead at Duke just came back and he's also another highly touted prospect. He played his first game for Duke off an injury. So th- those are guys that we need to watch for who can kind of crash the top five party. But, you know, there's been a lot of really talented guys in that group who have showed out Brandon Miller from Alabama, who came in as the fifth ranked prospect on my board. I was a little higher on him than most of the, the media was preseason, but He's averaging like 29 and 
two right now as a freshman for Alabama. He's like a six, nine wing. Who, there's like some shades of Paul George. Uh, he's really interesting. I love Jarris Walker from Houston. He's, he's a guy that I've planted my flag on that I'm probably way higher on than everybody else. Cause he's the 10th ranked guy on those draft rankings. And I have him at three, but he reminds me of like, a mixture of like Isaiah Stewart and Patrick Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got like Jeremy Grant. There's a little Scotty Barnes. He's just, he's six, eight, two forty, seven, two wingspan, just a bad mother effort. Like just perfect conglomeration of everything you want from one of these like power wingy guys. Um, the Thompson twins, I got a, a chance to get an up close look at when I went to the uh, overtime elite pro day. And those are two guys that have been, you know, on the radar for a couple of years. They're both top tier athletes. Um, and, you know, Asar was uh, coming off an injury at the pro day. So he wasn't like jumping through the gym, but he's very smooth. His shot looked awesome. Uh, I mean, not awesome might be an overstatement, but comparatively to where it was last year, it, he's just making tremendous strides. Amen is just, you know, one of the sickest athletes you'll, you'll, find as a prospect i mean they're both six seven they could play make um they're quick they got hops mm-hmm. they're going to be an interesting case study because they're both old enough to be in their college year but the overtime elite program's in its second season and they don't ha- like they had they've um added teams to their league but there's still only six teams and it's made up of like high school kids and like maybe like a, a post-grad year Um, so they're playing like sophomores in high school up through their own age group. It's this weird thing. It's hard to evaluate, but there's no doubt that they're super talented. I got a chance to to speak with them and and interview them. They're, they have a great head on their shoulders. They actually played a pro game against mega overseas, which was like, uh, Marco's team, Jokic's team. And, uh, they played very well. I'm going to see them next week, uh, actually play game in person, so there's just a lot of guys early on in this draft that are are super, super intriguing. And then I think there's pretty good depth probably in that 10 to 20 range as well right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, definitely guys will start to emerge as the college season goes on. But right now, I think that 10 to 20 range, you could find good talent. And after that, there's guys that are interesting, but they're kind of question marks. So it's, it's kind of wait and see there, but guys always emerge throughout this college season, which is long and it's in its infancy. And these guys aren't playing like a ton of real games yet, like against actual high level competition. They're playing like their cupcake schedule non-conference for the most part. So only a few guys have played like real games, um, but that's starting up soon. So it's, it's, it's a very exciting time in the draft world. Uh, and this is a, a really, really fun draft with top tier talent who's someone that you would say right now that is getting a lot of hype maybe that could potentially fall um guy that's that too early to tell right now i think it's probably a little bit early i i, I it depends what you mean by fall i think like a guy like dylan mitchell is who's at Texas this year. He was at Mount Verde um, with Dariq Whitehead last year. He's a guy who came in at number nine on the draft rankings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, he, he honestly reminds me a lot of Derek Jones Jr. That's one of the guys I comp him to in the draft guy. Like he's a lefty. He's super, super athletic. He's a wingy, like versatile defender. But even though his shot looks pretty 
smooth. He like doesn't shoot them at all. And like, he just is like a run and jump athlete more than anything else right now. Mm-hmm. He's like in a weird spot in Texas where he's not really going to get a lot of shot attempts. And if he doesn't show those, that three point shot, I can kind of see him falling down boards into like anywhere from like the late lottery all the way through like the back end of the first round. Uh, I do think he's so athletic that a team will take a a chance on him. But, you know, we saw last year with a guy like Kendall Brown, who had a really strong start to the year, propelled him into the top 10. And then he kind of faded because he's just didn't show anything more than he was an athlete. And he fell to the second round. I don't think Dylan Mitchell is going to fall to the second round, but I could certainly see him falling into the 25 range. You know, if, if he doesn't kind of show some flashes of offensive creativity outside of just like getting out in transition, getting offensive rebounds, stuff like that. That's probably the main guy I would say could maybe dip a little bit. Okay. I love hearing the thoughts. Uh, quick question before we wrap. Uh, what do you think about uh, Gigi Jackson so far? I'm only, a- I'm only asking cause uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's at uh, my alma mater. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Close by. So uh, we, we South Carolina does not, uh, usually ever have anyone that is draft uh, relevant these days, but uh, he's a rare possible first round pick uh, would be the first since uh, Ronaldo Balkman, I believe. <laughs> so, Next uh, legend, Ronaldo Balkman. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just curious uh, your quick thoughts on how he's looked so far. Yeah. Um, so a, a little on Gigi's backstory, he's, he's a, he's like the youngest player in the draft. Um, mm. He reclassified. He should be a senior in high school right now. He was supposed to go to North Carolina. He's the number one player in his class, um, but he reclassified and ended up at South Carolina. So that's mm. how he ended up there. When I watched his high school tape and his, his AU stuff, it was so, cause he's like six, nine, six, 10, mm. um, like, could get his own shot and like he's got just like this sick highlight tape from his pre-college stuff and you watch it and you're like oh man i see why he's so highly ranked but i would watch the full games and i'd be like eh, his motor doesn't really run too hot um you know i feel like he's settling for a lot of shots and you know it's going to be interesting to see playing a year up and jumping up a level on top of it what his freshman season looked like, but he's actually looked pretty good early on. Like he's still settling for a lot of shots, but um, I I think he's given good energy and he's smooth. Like he could get his shot off over anyone because he's so tall. He's got a pretty good handle. He can attack you in a line drive. He Mm -hmm. rebounds. So I I think with him, he's, I mean, South Carolina, I don't know how successful they're going to be this year as far as like winning games. Not I don't know if his play is, yeah, I don't think his play is going to lead to, to winning a ton of games. So I think some people might hold that against him, but he's so young and he, he's kind of like a ball of clay. I think he's one of these guys that it's not going to shock me if he goes top 10 just because a team is going to look at him and the, the measurables and the raw skill and see a guy that they can mold into whatever, um, their developmental program wants mm. in if all goes to plan but you know those guys don't always work out talk about situation you know kevin knox maybe a guy kind of similar and went to the knicks and obviously that didn't work out for him so these highly touted talented guys are are could they could be risky and he's a guy that given the the scenario is is a guy that i would be like like if he went to the raptors i'd be like oh man like perfect spot right like 
versus if he went to a different team, you could be like, ah, I could see this being a, a boom bust pick for them. That's what I see in Gigi Jackson right now. But like, he's going to show a lot of flashes where you're like, oh man, this kid is, has got some stuff to him. It's just going to be more flashes than consistency, I think, right now. Love hearing it. Love hearing it. Corey, thank you so much for dropping by on Bulls Gold again. Always dropping some jewels for us, especially on the draft and on the beloved Bulls. Uh, can you let our listeners know what you got working on right now in No Ceilings? You stay busy. You are always grinding. So let everyone know what you got coming up. And yeah, again, thank you for uh, coming back and joining us, man. Well, as always, guys, thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, like I always say, when I come on, you guys were the first podcast to have me on. And uh, I feel like, you know, that always, that helped me feel confident and putting myself out there more and, and doing what I do. So uh, I, this is always my, Yo, my, my always, favorite conversations man. to have. Plus, I get to talk about the Bulls, which normally when I go on podcasts, you know, I, I talk about strictly the draft. So it's, it's mm. nice to, to change that up. Uh, but you can find me at noceilingsmba.com. Um, the team puts out something every day on the website. It's completely free. You could subscribe when you're there. Uh, we have, uh, the no ceilings NBA podcast, which is a daily podcast feed. We have five different shows on the feed and, um, by all the guys that, that write. So, uh, if you go to the website, you can find that, find us on, on all the socials as well. Uh, we're, We've already hit the road collectively. You know, we're all spread out throughout the country. Uh, we we've got guys West Coast, Midwest, East Coast. So I'll be hitting. Uh, you know, I'm going to be seeing Duke soon, Indiana. Um, going to see the Overtime Elite. Um, all in the next few weeks. I, I mean, I have a whole list of all the the trips I'm doing. The rest of the guys too. So we're going out, getting to see these guys in person, up close. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we got an interview with, um, a really intriguing prospect coming up this week that I believe could be a sleeper to end up in the lottery in Pepperdine's Maxwell Lewis. So that'll be up on, oh, nice. I believe oh, Tuesday. Nice. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of cool stuff with these young prospects and, and we got a lot of cool stuff cooking up as we head out the rest of the year and, and, uh, a lot of good video stuff. So just no ceilings, uh, my personal Twitter at Corey Tulliba. So you could find, you could find all the stuff at no and the whole team cooking up good stuff. And we, we are on TikTok just in case Twitter, uh, <laughs> Twitter broke. Twitter it. broke yeah. <laughs> oh man. Salim, any final thoughts before we, uh, before we wrap up? Yeah. Uh, just again, I love having Corey on. He's uh, obviously become a friend of ours over the years. Um, and if I ever make it out to New York, I'm sure I will. I'll definitely want to hit him up to hang out. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, yeah. You know, like I said, it's awesome seeing his growth, awesome seeing everything he keeps doing. Like and any anytime he comes out with a new branding or something that he's trying to create to grow, it, it grows. So it's, you know, at it's, he always has the most unique ideas, like, like obviously the knowledge is there, but I always like amaze myself at the unique ideas that Corey comes up with. And it's just like, man, people aren't really doing this. Like uh, when you look at the NBA spaces, like, you know, everyone has like their, their, their podcast. It has their, their ways they uh, approach uh, how to analyze players, draft picks and things. It's just a unique way of how, you know, Corey does 
and the, the group of people that he's with, uh, that he's, you know, that they've come together, uh, it's different for sure. And it's, and it's, it's nice to see, it's, it's nice to see some variety as opposed to the same, you know, same basic, you know, analysis. And another thing I like about Corey is he's not a basketball snob. Like there's a lot of people <laughs> on NBA Twitter that like, cause Corey knows his shit. Like, and he's a basketball man. He's a basketball coach, but he doesn't act like, you know, he's, he's doing something that, is like you know curing cancer <laughs> you know like right. in the end it's basketball so let's like let's talk basketball and not act like you're better than people because you know you know you know what a spain pick and roll is or something so right. <laughs> um, and there are some there are some out there like i've i've seen that act like that and it's like all right man relax <laughs> but yeah like i said i pre- i appreciate Corey for you know like as all his success he's not He's not, you know, not changed for who he is from day one uh, for when, when he started. So yeah. that's also awesome to see. And then with the Bulls, man, I'm we got to see what happens here. Like I said, I'm hoping Zach comes out with a fuck you game tomorrow. Like, you know, has that same like game that he had against the Hornets where he yeah. got 49. He was just out there killing. And especially because if you do it against Boston, a team that's like really good. That could really, really flip the season. Um, you know, that's that's a good momentum builder. Um, and you know, I, I I'll say this too. Like, I, I I'd like to see. You know, there, there's be- better basketball minds than me that have talked about this, and they've talked about more creativity in the offense. So, you know, uh, like again, shout out to Lero. Um, another person, Joel Herbert, who. Like, like Joel isn't a, ba- a Bulls fan, so he has no, like, he has no, um, like, you know, biases towards the team or, like, fan favorites and things like that. It's just, like, they're, they're, both of them, Lero and Joel, talking about, like, just doing a five-man-out offense, like, maybe change it up, be more, you know, conducive and fitting to your team and not just doing the same thing over and over again. So I don't know. There, there's tweaks and there's changes everyone can make. The things that, like I said, collectively as a group, uh, and that goes to the front office too, that maybe there's things that they have to look at changes to make that they can improve this team. So we'll see what happens overall with that. All right. All right. Yeah. I'm, I would love to see one of those, uh, one of those uh, Hornets type of games from Zach tomorrow. Yeah. That would be that would be amazing. But yeah, I'm hopefully this team doesn't uh continue a downward spiral. Like we we do want to see them like pick this back up and we don't want to see all of us get worse and get back to where we were a few years ago. So uh hopefully hoping for some good vibes uh for in the coming weeks as the Bulls approach a really tough part of their schedule. But uh, that concludes today's Bulls Gold. As always, check out our past shows on the Barroom Network. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Thank you again to Corey Talaba for dropping by again. And for Salim Surwala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.